This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network production. I'm Alan Nevins. And I'm Joey Santos. And today is our first episode. We could not be more excited. We're going to be talking about friendships in Hollywood. Ours, too. Do they even exist? I know. Well, they do. And to prove that, joining our conversation will be Dolores Catania and Margaret Josephs from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. We had so much fun speaking with them. And we talked about a lot of things, but we might learn something new. Yeah, they're going to share with us a few little things that we don't even know. Let's just get started. Let's have a drink and let's move on. My favorite part, grabbing the drink. Yeah, mine too. So this is a little crazy. This is our first podcast. And you know how we came up with this out of just a conversation. I don't know about you, but over the last few weeks, everybody's like, what, 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 what's going on with this podcast? When, when is it starting? Why did you get this? Yeah. But it was quite unique, and I, I suppose we should tell the story because it has been the most asked question to me. I don't know yeah, same people with have me. asked you. Same with it happened because you know I represent these radio people, and one of the agents that I co-represent one of my radio – actually, two, a couple of my radio clients with, uh, we were down at the radio awards in Dallas, and – Somebody there said, oh, you know. Well, they said you had a voice for radio. I had a voice, yeah. Which and a means face. I also had a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the agent said, yeah, you know what? I think she's right. And, of course, as you know, I called you and said he's going to put us in this studio and let's do his, yeah. his real demo, which we did. Which we did. And I know you got all excited about it, and I walked away from it going, okay, that was nice. But I didn't think anything was ever going to come of it. Well, the thing with me, too, is is I didn't know much. I, I really hadn't listened to many podcasts. A few that interested me, I did, of course. You know, and you want to stay on top of things anyway. And, and it's an interesting medium, you know. Uh, but the ease of it, I think because of our friendship, has been so easy. And we're going on, what, 35 years of, of friends? No, and here we are. I mean, the deal, they they done. Um, done, and they loved the real, and... To our shock, my shock especially, we're here. We're here. And I hope you'll follow along with us so we can really move this forward because we have a lot of things we want to talk about, a lot of things we want to share, a lot of people we want you to meet, and a lot of stories um, we think you'll you'll like. Yeah. And today's theme for this show, we decided to do friendships yep. as an introduction because of our friendship, but friendships in Hollywood. And, mm-hmm. of course, and in general, too, especially in a time when we need them more than ever. It's kind of important to be able to take stock. Look around you and see who's who. And, you know, people always ask us that question, too. Well, how did you guys become friends? And how long have you known each other? And, you know, what do you have in common? Everything. 
I don't remember when we met. I mean, I remember when. I don't remember we where. We met socially at yeah. a party, and then we just hit it off. And that's how probably, well, I mean, this was the 80s, so you could meet people two ways, socially at a dinner party or a cocktail party, and you either have things in common or you don't, or you sleep with them, and you either have something in common or you don't. But that was how you made friends, seriously. <laughs> you, you know, you slept together, it was kind of shitty, so you became friends. And if it was good, you dated, you broke up, and then you became friends. <laughs> or you never spoke to them again. There was a couple ways you could do it. When we were coming up, that's how you did it. But we did. We met at the dinner party. And then we just had a lot in common. And Alan has this infectious laughter, which you will come to learn. And uh, it was one of those things, you know, when a personality just hits you right in the face, you know, it's, it's the best slap you've ever gotten because he's got such a great energy and great personality. And I don't want to, you know, I know your head's big enough as it is, but I learned what loyalty really is with my friendship with Alan. And uh, it's a great gift to be able to say I have someone I can trust and someone I enjoy being with and makes me laugh all the time. And we're never at a loss for conversation or at a loss for fun. So Which Alan you are you talking about? Alan Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't recognize myself in there no, at all. No, you shouldn't. Well, you know what's interesting? Oh, you're supposed to compliment me back. No, no, I'm kidding. Moving on. Um, <laughs> what is interesting is I don't know – you know, if people have asked you, but everybody said, why, where did you get this title? Why is it called Two Guys from Hollywood? Uh, you know, there's bigger people in Hollywood than you. And I said, no, no, it's not about being a Hollywood person. It's, it's about not quotations. Being, yeah, it's not being. We grew up here. We grew up here. We're from here. Well, I came, you know, here to college, but then the rest of my life has been here. So technically, I'm a mountain boy, actually. Raised and. Mm -hmm. In Mammoth. In Mammoth Lakes. Skied, did all of that. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can quit me. I was actually born here in Los Angeles. Right. We were here 10 years. I went there eight years. Then I came back for college and, uh, and, and have been here since. So this is about two guys that are from Hollywood, not two Hollywood guys. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> when I was a little boy, I lived in New York. I grew up in New York until I was about 12. Then we moved to Malibu, and then I grew up in Malibu and Beverly Hills. So... Since I was 12. So, yeah, I mean, that's a long – that's what a good three years ago. <laughs> and what's more Hollywood than Malibu and Beverly Hills? True. True. It's more Hollywood than Hollywood. More Hollywood than Hollywood. So tell me, because we have a lot to catch up on, about today's cocktail. Yeah, I thought we'd do this for, for the girls. It's going to be the Jersey Princess. Oh, I love the way it tastes. Yeah, it's quite good, isn't it? It's vodka. It's uh, fresh berry juice, cherry juice, and uh, a little bit of uh, Pellegrino with some fresh fruit in it, raspberries, blueberries, and um, squeeze of lemon. Yeah, it's very colorful. Did I say vodka? Oh, yeah, she said vodka. Okay, good, okay. Sip, sip. <sighs> okay. And this is in honor of Dolores and Margaret. Yes, the Jersey Princesses. That's what we're calling this drink. Mm -hmm. The Jersey Princess. And you can find this drink on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Google yeah, we'll Google something. Mm -hmm. We're all over the place. Yep, we're all over the place. Especially after this cocktail. After. <laughs> Tell us, Joey, a little bit about what you do since nobody here has a clue who we are. Well, they know me, but they don't know you. They don't know me yet. Um, no, I do quite a few things. I mean, I've always been the kind of person that I follow a passion and a I was never prepared for what – you know how some people plan. They're going to go to school. They're going to do this, and it's kind of laid out. It's that gold watch mentality. So at the end of their career, they, they get a gold watch. So I didn't have that mentality. My father was an actor. 
and a director. I grew up in show business. My grandfather was a very famous entertainer. The equivalent to Frank Sinatra is how he is uh, in Latin America for 70 years. My grandmother owned a nightclub and many nightclubs and restaurants and a film studio and recording studio and a record company. So that's where my history comes from. So what I, when I wanted to do things, I had my parents just let us express ourselves, whatever that meant. So went to different schools, dabbled in college for about a year, and I went, you know, this is not for me. And so I went to acting school. I studied acting. I'm a singer. I studied music, and I did that for a while. It wasn't for me. I owned a restaurant in Saugatuck, Michigan called JoJo's Americana Supper Club. And then in L.A. years before that, um, I managed a restaurant that my brother owned, which was very popular, called El Mocambo, which was a throwback to the nightclubs in the era of my grandmother. It was a big success. And then that was kind of where my passion for food and cooking all kind of started. And I wasn't trained. I just burned a lot of things and learned a lot of things along the way. <laughs> but that's how you do it. You know, people always say, how did you learn how to cook? By cooking. You know, there are chefs, which I don't consider myself one, but other people refer to me as that. And then I started developing um, clients and celebrity clients, and I started doing their parties and their dinners and, and meal planning and all those things. So it just sort of was a natural fit for me. And so, and I'm still not done yet. I don't know where the next step for me is. I mean, I write for a magazine. I've been writing for this uh, spiritual uh, magazine called Eden. And that's it. So now we're doing the podcast and I have celebrity clients that I still cook for. I'm, I'm doing a movie right now that I'm working with one of my, one, one of my clients and making sure that he's fed well on set. And, um, and what I, about you? I like that catchphrase, burn and learn. Mm -hmm. We need to move. Uh, yeah. We need to use that somewhere. Yeah. So my, my career has been very interesting and, and meandering a little bit because I worked in television production and then I broke my leg and I needed to find something new. And I was introduced to a literary agent who sold books at that time to publishers. Liter There's also literary agents that sell screenplays to movies and television, which I do not do. I do sell books to film and television, but I don't handle screenwriters. So I started in with publishing through Irving Lazar, who was a big agent at the time. And I'd worked for him for a few years before I took on a client. And I started in publishing that way. It was a little strange because I didn't know anybody in publishing because I didn't come up through publishing. So I had to start at the top and work down. Irving only worked with the heads of the companies or Michael Corda, the editor-in-chief at Simon & Schuster. So all I knew were the heads of the company, I always have to call them and they'd say, well, Alan, let me introduce you to this person or that person. So I came into it in a very strange way and it was a little awkward and uh, it was a little uneasy for me actually in the beginning, but it seems to have worked out. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I also have some clients, some celebrity clients who do a lot of appearances, so I book their appearances, you know, whether they're speaking gigs or they're asked to come and appear and do certain things, I book those. We also started a small publishing company, which has been a lot of fun for myself and my team. We have about 120 titles, a lot of backlist titles from some of the clients that I inherited from Irving Lazar. Uh, I have, you know, Joan Collins's entire backlist, and I have Ann Rule backlist, and we have the Eisenhowers and Lauren Bacall, and some people, you know, like that, that we've put their books back into print. We've also done some original titles, which has been a lot of fun. And then we also have done a little bit of producing. 
I produced a TV movie based on one of my clients' books many years ago. That was nominated, I think. It was nominated for the Emmy for Best Movie Made for Television, I think is the official title. And then uh, later, just a few years ago, I produced a feature film starring Cameron Diaz and Jennifer Lopez and a whole other cast of people with a client of mine. And now we're currently producing a film and producing a, a movie that we hope will get a little green light. And that's with three other clients that I've worked with, two speaking engagement clients and a, a literary client and someone I manage. And then, of course, I have – that's the agent side. I have a management side. I have some radio clients and I manage some talent. So it's been very broad and there's never a dull moment in our day. How about those emails? Which ones? Yours. Mine? The 30,000 missing to? ones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the ones you're down to. There's a conversation Al and I have all the time. Just It's usually on a Friday before we decide to go away or do something really fun or take a little weekend trip. He says, I have so many emails. And then he prays that by the time we get to where we're going that he's down to 60. That's his number to get down to. So he starts at 500 emails or 300 emails. And if he gets down to 60, I'm he calm. can exhale. I exhale. Yeah, then the, then the, that little respite begins when the 60 email mark Right. Hits. Then I feel I can take a breath Then you relax. can breathe. Yeah. Above 60 makes uh, me panic. I secretly go in and erase some emails just so he feels like he could <laughs> start having fun. Yeah, you erase emails and I seem to be erasing clients <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> exactly. And what have you been doing? Catch me up. Catch me up on your your you last, my fabulous uh, on your holidays. Your you holidays. The, uh, We've just come out of the holidays. We're in a new year, twenty twenty one. I know, but so my holiday was exactly that, not a holiday. So you didn't go anywhere. I went to Gelson's <laughs> in a hazmat suit. I came home. I cooked. I watched more television, more Netflix, more. News, <sighs> but you're in a new movie. You're working. You're back to work. Yeah, I've been back. I've been back to work since uh, November. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, this entire what we went through this year with this pandemic and everything else, it didn't slow my work. And and I hate to say that because I know so many people are are having such a hard time. So when I say it, it's 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 com out of complete gratitude and the fact that. I was really lucky and I'm blessed that I'm able to go to work and have a business that I could go to because it just it's heartbreaking to see how many people don't, can't, and are unsure of if they ever will, you know. So right. but within that, I mean I, I I have made sure that my blessing I pay forward. So I made sure I hire people to work for me, with me. Every opportunity I have, if it's clients that need catering, I'll put other people that are out of work into that position or alongside of me to make sure that they're paid and and that they're they they can survive it. But this movie, tell me though, is, is it a oh, yeah, how a is movie. it working? Is it a studio movie? It's is it a studio movie. movie? I don't want to talk too much about no, it. No, we don't need to know about the movie because I get that. Yeah, but, but, but how big, is it how a, is it working that they're in they're, they're in production? When well, are here's not. here's the, here's the blessing. Another blessing. So of course your fear is, oh my god, I'm going to go on a movie that's got employing hundreds and hundreds of people on a huge studio on a lot because of what I do. You know, and who I work for, you know, we're sort of sectioned off and we're well protected. And I'm grateful for the fact that, you know, people say, say what you want about Hollywood, but Hollywood takes care of, of a lot of things and they take care of their own. And the amount of money that they spend to make sure that we're safe and protected is, is unbelievable. 
Every one of us are tested every single day. But yes, the studio is amazing. The actors I work for are amazing. And their commitment to to what's going on in this world is amazing. No, I know exactly where you're coming from because my business has been very busy during this mm-hmm. this period. And I thought it was, you know, everybody was concerned that publishing was going to go into the tubes sure. and everybody is panicked when all the and, bookstores and we closed. we were talking about how we, nobody was reading and all of a sudden that's completely changed. Oh, yeah, everybody seems to be reading. Book sales are up. I mean, yep. it's been good for publishing. So knocking on wood because I, too, am very thankful. Yep. Hello, who is it? Very, <laughs> Come in. I'm very thankful. Get tested first. Uh, yeah, that I've uh, continued to work and been busy. In fact, busier than ever. Yeah. But, um, you know, out of that, you also, this has been an interesting time because a lot of people have sort of complained, you know, I'm stuck inside, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, or not doing this. But I have actually found, I think, a lot of good things have come out of this pandemic. And, you know, people are at home, they're spending time with their kids. They're, you know, as we know, we're in our little pod and we see only the same people over and over and those friendships have strengthened. Yes. But uh, I think, you know, the friendships, you know, you and I are probably similar in that we have a very small circle of friends that we would consider close friends. Those are the people you think you can depend on. If something happened, they'd be there. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the circle sort of widen. And then there's a sort of a larger group of loose friends that you see and you're friendly with, but you wouldn't consider them your tight friends. Well, I say, you know, I know a little about a lot of people. And those are my acquaintances and those are people that either from work or through social things or whatever that you surround yourself with. And then we even discussed this recently too, that there are a lot of people in your life because they're fun. That doesn't mean you're going to call them when you're in trouble. It doesn't mean they're going to call you. But they're fun. You know, they're entertainment. Those are the people you invite to the party. But it's the people that stay when the party's over that are your friends. Right. And that's important. But you're Stick very good about making friends. You're very I've never met a stranger. You're, you're an extrovert. And in fact, one of the great stories when we were younger and I lived uh, right off Doheny there in that little house. Right. And you would call me and say, "Oh, let's go out get tonight. Ready. Let's yeah, get ready and go out." And sometimes <laughs> and it, like six nights a week you would go out. And Six. you would you would have gone seven I went for, and seven I went seven I went for brunch because you had something else that got in the way of you going out <laughs> so you wouldn't go out but I got to where I wasn't getting work done and I would remember I would shut off all the lights in the house because I knew that when you would go by you'd go oh he's not home there's no lights on but there were other times where you saw the lights on and you'd sit out there and you'd just hold that horn down I'd hold that horn I had a little convertible Mercedes and I would pull up in front of his house and I would honk that horn and and I'd hear him go I'm not going anywhere I'm not going out I said oh shut up get dressed <laughs> And then lay on that horn. Lay on that horn until, until I was like, the, shh, car. the neighbors, I was like, shh, stop honking that horn. <laughs> and we'd be out till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's Monday. So? <laughs> Not anymore. Now it's Tuesday. It's after midnight. Yeah. We but, had a lot of fun, uh, though. We My did God, have a lot of fun. fun. And met a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I'm, more I'm wallflower. A lot of I was people. more wallflower-ish then. You, you, ish. You, ish. You, you gathered the men because you were very you were very easy to talk to people. You I gathered know. the men. You gathered a crowd. Oh, and I thought around. you said you gathered the men. You said you I gathered, gathered them. The well, that's what it sounded like. You gathered them. them in. Sorry, in. you mumble. They crowded around you. Yes, well, and I had a lot of loose cash back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a personality thing, I guess. You know. Well, of course, it's always a personality thing. Yeah. 
Or lack thereof. <laughs> lack thereof. <laughs> Speaking of personalities, um, I actually have something interesting to announce. Please. I, apparently, I'm a luxury good. I could go so many places with that, but I'm just going to let you continue. Yes. I was approached by a magazine who said we'd like to do a bio piece on you for the interior of the magazine. And I thought, well, that's kind of nice. And I looked at, I went online to look at the magazine and flipped through the pages. And I thought, I couldn't, I can't afford one thing in this magazine. It's, you know, it's one of those luxury magazines for yacht owners and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. planes. It's private planes and it's, you know, furniture, you know, $20,000 sofas and $200,000 rings and that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, so they do an interview. They came back and they said, you know what? We really like the interview. So we would like to know, can we put you on our cover? So I'm not even better. So the launch of the magazine is today. Is it? Yeah. They launched, they planned it to launch the same day as this podcast. And they did that for me. And they said, you know, we'll we'll, we'll put it out today so that it it corresponds with this podcast. Oh, great. And it is called Total Prestige Magazine. You can get it online. You can either pay to download the whole thing online or they also – you can get a subscription and then they will mail you a monthly. Yeah, the same with the Eden Magazine. Yeah, it's like Eden. And or, or you can get the monthly subscription where it's printed. Right. And nice printed too. And yours truly is on the cover. Congratulations. So you, you well, we have it. to have a little celebration for that for sure. This yeah, is the celebration. <laughs> Here. Cheers. Cheers. The two guests we have today are really long-term friends of yours. Yeah. I met Dolores a couple years ago at a wedding, at your wedding. At my wedding. And I sat next to her at the dinner, and that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And she was a blast. I had not met Margaret until we did this interview today with her. Yeah. But she was also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I see that friendship, of course, just from this one, you know, this one podcast interview. I, we're already interacting and doing and yeah, without we've invited giving too each much other. Away, they're gonna, we've invited they're each gonna... other to each other's homes to you yeah. know, come stay with me. And so, you know, new friendships blossoming. Yeah, for sure. But um, they're great. And... Uh, rather than my introduce them, I'm going to let you introduce them since you know them so much better. Yeah, Dolores and I have become really good friends. You'll, you'll, I'll let them tell you about our relationship, and their relationship is very interesting because uh, what you see on TV, how it started, and how it is are two entirely different things. So let's welcome Margaret Josephs and Dolores Catania to the Yay. podcast. So welcome, ladies. Welcome, welcome. Hello. We want to talk about friendships a little more. You pick the right ones because Margaret and I have a story. We've been through it. We've been through it. You know, when Dolores and I first met, I loved her instantly, but she wasn't really allowed to be friends with me. Well. <laughs> Who didn't allow it? Siggy. No, no. Well, that. we were on different teams, right? We were on so, different teams, but I always loved her. The, the thing was, when you meet a friend, right? Uh, or when you meet someone and they don't get along with your friend who you are already friends with, there's a certain degree of loyalty that you have to that friend, correct? Right. Correct. And and that that shows character. Now, did I want to fight with Margaret? I didn't. No. Did I burn a bridge with Margaret during any of the big blowouts that happened? I did not. I didn't take it farther than it should have because, you know, I'm pretty intuitive and I always knew that, that 
there was some day that Margaret and I may be friends and I had no beef with her really. It, it was just the relationship with my friend and her and it's the way it goes here in New Jersey. I don't know about other places, but I know that's how it is mm-hmm. here. Yeah, um, but we bonded instantly. It only took us a few months and then everything, you know, we knew we we would be very, we got together because Dolores is a good person and um, someone was doing something to her that I didn't like. And even though we weren't as close, I called her up and I said, hey, this something crazy is going on behind your back. And, and we and I was concerned about it. And ever since then, we've been glued to each other's legs. Now, Alan and Joey, that is such a pivotal time for us. That is exclusive to this podcast because no one knows how Margaret and I transitioned. And that is how it happened. Yeah. And people you would think should have been. How many seasons of the show did you not get along? One. Only one season. Yeah. It was before the next season started. We were ready together. So when Margaret, right, when Margaret called me and gave me the heads up about the person who was at the time I was working with, who was talking behind my back about my personal business, which is like the kiss of death in this business, right? You're you're someone close to you. It knows your business and is telling a potential enemy or even blabbing what's going on in your personal life to other people. She saved my ass. Okay. I will never forget that. Never. Yeah, I was very worried. Dolores and I weren't close at that point, but I was like, you know, this is not some information that should be out there. When I heard it, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And I was so worried. I called up Dolores. She's like, thank you so much. And ever since then, we've been very close. But I knew we were very similar people, even though we had, you know, a slight wedge. And when that, you know, and listen, reality TV is not for everybody. And the person that, you know, it obviously wasn't for her and- and everything else. But when that happened, Dolores and I realized we had so many, she's the most charitable person. I'm very involved in charity. And and we realized we had such similar things that, you know, we became such close friends. Since then, Margaret and I have done many charity events together. So we're like mitzvah partners, I call it. You know, when she did that to me, for me, I mean, let me tell you, she has a friend for life, no matter what happens in this business to us. And the difference is, there are friendships that start in this business and then dissipate over time. Uh, this business, I can say, you know, um, Margaret, and, and maybe you can agree with me or not, that sometimes you get paranoid. Totally. And you wonder, like, is that person really my friend or is that really happening? And then I see with a new franchise of Housewives, they, whoever came as, as, in as friends are no longer friends. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting about that Hollywood friendships is people who work together all the time and they get along and they consider those friends. But really, the friend is if you're seeing them outside of work and doing things that have nothing to do with work, that's a friendship. Right. Yeah. But the basis of any friendship comes from one place. And that's where I've always come from is the loyalty. I've always said that for me, the worst truth is better than the smallest lie. Um, that's true. Because then I have a choice with the truth. I, I have a choice that I can accept it and support it and protect it. But a small lie. I'm going to write that I can, down. I can't trust Wait it. Wait a second here. She's, getting, she's getting her pen out. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Like the worst truth. Is more acceptable than, than the smallest, smallest lie. lie. Because then what, you, what, what the smallest lie does, it takes away my choice. And you, you see what I mean? And when you take away my choice, then I can't, tr- then I have no trust. 
I have none. Let me tell you this. The first thing my mother says to a boyfriend of mine that she meets is, don't lie to her. Do not lie mm-hmm. to her. And I take a lot of pride, and Margaret can tell you, is I know how to contain my feelings. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> no, Margaret does not. God bless her. We tell everything to each other. Oh, totally. And we've and we've known each other for so long. It's 35 hard to lie years. Because the minute we lie, the other one's like, oh, please. Uh, uh, I was there. Hello. <laughs> well, that's called... That's called um, bringing accountability to your friend. Right. Like, I've done it with Margaret. I've said, Margaret, come on. You know, you, and she's like, okay, she accepts it. And then, like, she'll do the same thing with me. You also got to protect it. Sure. We could be honest with each other and, and call each other out of those little things. But in, when, there's other, when there's an audience, we have to be very, no, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's a privilege. Friendship is a privilege that people take for granted. And they think, oh, well, I can be a friend today and then I'll tell somebody tomorrow. No. Well, it's like a colonic. When things like that happen, I call it a social colonic. Oh. And and it's a really, it's a, it's, it's a huge gift. Joey I'm a gets big it. fan of colonics. Joey gets and, social colonics. Oh, I'm sorry. He gets colonics socially. <laughs> but, you know, when someone shows you who they are, it's the most important thing. And my only thing is i've i've recently lost a friend of 25 years who got me she got me cuz for 25 years i was her friend and she recently did something so egregious that i will write her off if i love you there's a you got to do a lot to get yeah, rid yeah. of me i'm the same and i'm there for you forever but this one this one there's no coming back from nope. this one and you know um for the most part people usually show you who they are much sooner in life. But you know, that has to do with us. I've always said, I will forgive and I will forget. But do not remind me what I forgot. I knew that <laughs> saying from you, Joey. Do not this... remind me. No. Because then I will never forget. Ever. So you get that one pass. If you screw it up, done. Alan, watch yourself over there. <laughs> No, that's the beauty of Alan. I, I, and to be honest, in 35 years, we've never even had an argument. We got a little testy on a trip, but that's because we were locked into a car. <laughs> we were talking too much. But what is it that brings you and Alan together for 35 years with never a fight, never a disagreement, never a doubt of a friendship? What is it that brings two people together that have a lifetime relationship? That's a lifetime. We laugh a lot. Yeah, it, it's the humor. And I think... With everything, and I've always said this in every relationship that I've had, and even rom- the romantic ones that have failed for me, because love is a very strange thing. We do a lot of things under the moniker of love that we regret. People do, people do say terrible things, but they love you. They'll hurt you, but they under the moniker of love. But under like, I'd rather like someone. I'd rather be liked more than loved. Because like, you're not going to lie. You're always going to answer the phone. You're always going to be there. You're going to trust that person because you like that person. You always want to be in their company. The love puts the pressure on. You know what I mean? Under that moniker. And then all of a sudden, it's that all of that, all of that passion and all of that stuff. And it goes out the window. But you're going to like someone for a long time. And I think in my friendships, that's the glue. You don't look at a phone and go, oh. He's calling again. Yeah. But, you know, you love you the guy, but, Alan. you know. Uh, 
I'm sure Not he does now. it all the time, but he doesn't say. <laughs> but it's true. Like is the glue. And it's true. He's right, Marmor, because I like you. We actually were in the car. I don't sit in the car. I'm very peculiar. I'm very, not peculiar. I want to say I'm very specific with my, the people that I spend time with. And I was in the car with her for six hours, which I wouldn't do. I almost fought her on. I'm like, listen, I'll meet you. I'm going to take the train to Virginia because I don't sit that long with uh. anybody. I drove her. <laughs> and, and she drove me and it was okay. I survived. But I just want to say like in our relationship, we have enough respect for each other that we warn each other when other people come into the relationship and it's just a warning. And I want to know, have the two of you had that too? Yeah. Well, we always have like a, well, there's that eyebrow up, you know, when it's like you bring in a friend and there's that, that thing that you do, like, I'm going to, you know, not the once over, but the, a few times over, you listen to what they say. I mean, we, Alan and I, every year we go to Europe, we rent a yacht, and we take a select group of friends. We Alan has a villa in Italy. And we usually spend about two or three weeks there. And then we rent a yacht. And then we sail around the Mediterranean for another week or ten days. I was going to say, did you see that raise of their eyebrows? Like, we haven't been invited well, to no villa with us, no As soon as they open up, come with us this year. <laughs> but this this last year, so we Alan invites a couple of his friends from that I don't know that well. I'll invite a couple of my friends that he doesn't know that well. And then it all manages to work out well. But you have to give people a chance because a lot of times we carry an opinion based on who that person reminds us of, something negative or someone. And then we hold them hostage for, for something they never did. So it's really everything begins and ends with us and the way that we process relationships and friendships and all of that stuff, it begins and ends with us. And we have to remember to separate the the, the whites from the yolk. <laughs> always about food. With Joey, it's always about food. We love it. What I was going to say is it's, you know what it is? It's about how comfortable you are. Because Joey and I have been on trips and we can sit in a car and not speak to each other for two hours and be totally fine with and it. And sometimes that's the best conversations I've ever had is not saying a word. That's the true friendship when you can be comfortable with a person to not say anything. When my father died four years ago, Alan and I, we took his ashes and Andrew. My father always loved, when I was a little boy, he would always tell me the story about the, the old man in the sea. It was actually a movie that he did years ago with Anthony Quinn. I know it. And, but he told me the story, which I was always fascinated with, that message in a bottle. You know, that, remember that story about you find a bottle on a beach and it has a note in it? Yeah. Yeah. So we drank this beautiful bottle of wine, emptied it, cleaned it, dried it. Then I poured his ashes inside and wrote a note, how much I loved him, what he meant to me, who he was, stuck the message in there, corked it, and then we went into the Adriatic and we threw it in the sea. And that was the best way that I could say goodbye. And because he was Italian anyway, you know, descent and all that stuff. So it was just a you know, I think those things are so important in life and in death, how we send that off, because that's what we're going to keep with us. That may be gone, but it's never gone from where we are. And those little things have to be so specific and private, and they have to be about the person that it's about. I love it. Now, let me ask you, in, in, through the breakups and through the relationships, because Margaret and I are always there for each other through relationships of whether oh, yeah. it's like an argument with David or have, do you guys, you're the go-to. So 
how do you like really be there for each other through those times? Because sometimes you just don't know what to say to somebody. The truth, the truth never fails you. If here's something I've learned early on, you can never be in the middle of anything or anyone. You have a friend that you love and adore, and you may not love and adore his partner or his, you know. Right. But you have to love the fact that he loves that partner. And everything you say, every advice you give has to be with the intention of making them feel better about what they're going through so they can work it out. Because nine out of ten times, they're going to fix it and you're going to be out. It's true. Well, like family, like, like, as you know, um, on the show, there's, there's family, if there's a family argument, one of the things that I always stayed neutral with was the fights. If there was arguments between Teresa and Melissa and, you know, that's family or, or like a husband and wife now. Well, we all got a lot. I mean, I feel like this, we got a little bit in it. (laughs) Stay tuned. Friends aren't really, I mean, sorry, family. Family are not really friends because other because you can't really get rid of them. them. That's true. There's a there's a saying: you love a dog because of its owner. Yeah, right. I have a question for both of you. What's something your friends know about you that the public may not guess? Aside myself, I think people don't realize. Um, a lot of people didn't realize I have a natural born son, and that I'm a very devoted mother. People don't even know that about me. And Dolores knows it about me. But the general public doesn't know it about me because I keep my children and and that very private. Yeah, I keep my kids very private. And I think people don't realize that that I'm very much about my children and things like that. And and I I keep that private off the show. Also that I speak Hungarian, that I never spoke English till I went to kindergarten. Wow. I love that. You know, it's very interesting because... The, the ladies on our show are, the, the majority are first generation here. I'm not, and Melissa isn't, but the rest are first generation here. That's true. Interesting. We'll be right back. What people don't know about me is that I'm very much like a scrappy kind of girl. A lot of times they see me dressed up and elegant. I mean, maybe they do know that about me. Things were not always easy. And not too long ago, things were very hard for me in a sense, Frank and I had gone through some hard times and um, there's just been so much that I don't really uh, get to talk about. Cause there's only so much you could talk about on the show. Right. Yeah. It's, it's helped me back also, Alan, and maybe you can uh, understand what I'm saying is I've always wanted to write a book about my divorce and how I get along with, with Frank Italian. That's an amazing story. And how I counsel so many people to like, listen, uh, let me get you through this. This is hard times, but it's not the the end and it's not the hardest times. You know, things things will get better quicker and you'll look back and say, why was I so mad and why was I so upset? But part of that is, is I, it's so, it would be so painful for me to talk about certain parts of my life that I give Margaret so much credit for writing this book. She's gone places that are bringing up like things that she's so brave to have done this, and I'm not there yet, and I can't do what well, she did. Well, that's what I was going to ask honest. you. She's written a book. Why? Why don't you write a book? She's going to. Dolores is going to. Well, Alan, I mean, you and I maybe we'll sit and talk, my friend. We will sit and talk. You're going to have to pull it out of me. But Margaret, your book's coming in March. Yes, it'll be out in March. What's it called? Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. Great. Oh, the same as your podcast. <laughs> 
it is my podcast because I feel that's listen, I'm from an immigrant single, single mother, not the luck, you know, not the lucky sperm club. And um <laughs> right sperm right egg. Listen, from looking at you, it is the right sperm right oh, egg. Yeah. I don't know what happened after that, but you got the right sperm and the right egg, Marge. Listen, my mother who she's the greatest person, but you know, we're 20 years apart. It was the 70s. She likes to say it was the Nixon years. That was her excuse. Or every other excuse is where you're a pain. But, you know, I usually could have been a drug addict or, or I could have been a drug addict or a stripper. And it's um, <laughs> Wait, wait. Could have been or have been? No. Could have been. No, could no have I wasn't. Been. I mean, sh- I, mean I would love someone to pay me to strip at this point. I mean, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> I mean, what an honor. No, what no, an honor. Throw her, throw her a dollar, Joey. <laughs> but, uh... Yes, I feel like it, even things that happened to me with in business and the mistakes I made, and you know, and why I've made those mistakes when I look back on it, and things you know would change the trajectory. Well, Margaret, let me ask. Life. Let me ask you something. You, uh, a little birdie, told me that you have a favorite book this year. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, what is it that you look for in a book? This particular book happens to be Untamed. Yes. By Glennon Doyle. And it got amazing reviews. And it was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. Yes. And I think her previous, this author's previous book, I think was an Oprah club pick. Mm -hmm. And she got amazing book list starred review and Publishers Weekly and Kirkus. They all gave her great reviews. What was it about the book that stood out for you? I think it was the emotion and how, how she felt of just how she always wanted to be so perfect and her life was so perfect and how she never dealt with anything and knew what was missing and and how deep she went and how painful it was and that she realized she fell in love with a woman when she walked in the room and and how she had the courage to change her life and and what made it change her life and how she found her true happiness and how she was afraid her whole life to find her true happiness and here she was this award-winning author, New York Times best-selling author, and, and she still didn't have the happiness and, and the way um, she changed her life. And just the way she wrote was so beautiful and so deep. It really, you know, I listened to partially on audiobook and then I read it and, and that's what was so good. It, it, there was a lot of emotion behind her. Did that inspire you, Margaret? You know, as I was writing mine, I was reading hers and I think that's what it was because I think it was important for me to um, go with the emotion. I don't like to read something where I don't feel moved by it. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I like to run the gamut of emotions when I read something. So I felt like when this came out and I was like looking and everyone's like, oh my God, this book untamed, this book untamed. And then I immediately like, you know, ordered it on uh, Amazon. I had it overnight into the house and I started reading it and I was, and I was so taken with it. it. It really is just, it's amazing. I'm sure Alan, have you read it? No, I I haven't read it. Oh, you you asking me if I get to read for pleasure? Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's like asking us if we get to watch TV yeah. for pleasure. He, he just looks at the pictures. Right. <laughs> I do. The eight pages inserted in the middle. <laughs> I feel like at this age, I want to just do things more that feed my soul. I think at this year, 2020, it's taught me anything. That's what I should be doing. By the way, I'm a little bit buzzed because I don't drink, and I and Joey had a drink, so I just and I made the mocktail for Marge tonight for both of you. What is this? What is this that you made? Tell it's us. It's called the Princess, and it has pineapple juice, a little bit of ginger ale, grenadine, and orange, orange juice. juice. 
but it's a mocktail that can be turned into a cocktail if you add a little rum or if you add a little vodka. So it, it can go either way. Is that ours? Yeah, yes. so you can. Is that's that the your, Jersey? That's, that's the Jersey that's, episode. The Jersey, the Jersey Princess. The Jersey so, Princess. I uh, love. Created, he created this <laughs> for I've you never, tonight. I'm not often called a princess, so I'll take it. Well, okay. cheers. Well, cheers. Well, cheers. Cheers. I'm cheers. having my right now, but I'm gonna have. I'm gonna make myself a Jersey Princess. I love Grenadine. It always reminds me of a Shirley Temple. Anything with Grenadine, so I'm thrilled. It's kind of like a Shirley Temple-ish. Margaret. Do you want to shamelessly plug your season 11? Yes. I mean, I would love everybody to watch myself and Dolores on season 11 on Real Housewives in New Jersey. I um, Coming out very soon. I can't say the exact date, but it should be sometime in February. Right, Dolores? Uh, we're thinking, we were told February that can change. And the shameless plug is my book, Caviar Dreams on Tuna Fish Budget. And my podcast, Shameless Plug, Caviar Dreams on Tuna Fish Budget. Yes, and we were, we're turning into that. Yes, we can't wait to be on. You'll be on before then. And then we'll plug your podcast. Well, I'd love to be on that. Yes. I mean, that would be great. Yeah, let's do this again with Margaret. We'll do it on Caviar Dreams, Tuna Fish Budget. And then we'll talk yeah. about Alan's Dolores and Alan we will have she'll be the uh, guest interviewer with right yeah and we'll, we'll talk about your both your careers I'm dying to know I'm so interested in your career Alan I want to hear all about it all you got to do is listen to our podcast every week and all your off time <laughs> well we love you guys thank you for spending time with us love you so much and it's been such an honor to be on thank you for having us thank you Margaret thank you Dolores bye. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up. That was our first podcast. It was. And, and I'm not too bruised, are you? But it was fun. And next week will be a little bit different because we won't have to tell people who we are. So we'll have more time for the show itself. We can actually talk with other people, you mean, yeah. instead about ourselves? Yeah. <sighs> We're so good at that, though. We are. And we look forward to you joining us next week wherever you listen to podcasts. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This production is produced by Lauren Boone, edited by Nathan Moody, with original music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. Also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent, and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media.